Welcome to the Pets Who Thrive podcast, where we cover all areas of natural animal health and challenge what we've been conditioned to think regarding how to raise and keep a healthy pet. My name is Tammy. I'm an entrepreneur and a certified animal naturopath with a passion for animals and empowering other pet owners with tools for creating the healthiest version of your amazing pets. Let's dive in. Hello, welcome. I am so glad that you're joining me for today's episode. Today, I am joined by Phil King, who is actually my best friend and life partner. And we are going to be diving into some data regarding the stigmas that surround pit bulls and the science behind the infamous breed. Not only is Phil a longtime pit bull owner, he has spent countless hours researching the breed. So welcome, Phil. I'm so glad you're joining me today. Thank you, Tammy. I'm so glad to be here. So what is it about educating the listeners about the pit bull breed that is so near and dear to your heart? Well, I'm excited to be here today to help educate your listeners about my favorite breed of dog and one that's surrounded by so much misinformation. So today, my goal is to educate your listeners with the science behind the controversy to explore some of the myths surrounding the to reduce the instances of misidentification often ending badly for the dog. Why pit bulls are often misidentified and some of the reasons behind intentional misidentification. To give some tips and tricks to maybe help your pity become a trusted family member and you know, fear is often rooted in ignorance and we fear the uncertain and unknown more than anything. So, you know, hopefully this podcast will shine a light on a topic that even some dog experts are in the dark about. Awesome. Well, so what is a pit bull exactly? Well, that's a great question. Pit bulls are actually, they're a family of dog that come from breeding terriers with a bulldog. They're incredibly smart, athletic. They carry with them an almost human-like intuition and desire to show affection. There's only four breeds that are commonly classified as a modern pit bull type breed by your AKC and UKC standards. The American Pit Bull Terrier is the only breed with the term pit bull in its name, but over 20 other breeds in their mixes that share similar physical characteristics that are common to dogs that are in those pit bull type categories. This is what leads to their high rate of misidentification. Now, the four breeds that are commonly classified are going to be your American Pit Bull Terrier. That's your tallest and most athletic out of your four. Then you have your American Staffordshire Terrier. They're a little shorter and stockier than the American Pit Bull Terrier. Then you have your Staffordshire Bull Terrier. Now, that's going to be the smallest of the four. Now, of course, last but not least, you have your American Bull. Now, this is not to be confused with the American Bulldog. It's the most unique out of the group. It's stout, it's short, and it closely resembles that classic English Bulldog, the one that we all know and love. Now, this makes up about 18 million dogs with any pit bull lineage whatsoever in the United States. Now, that equates roughly to about 20% of all dogs, and that makes up about 90 million. So even though we consider ourselves expert in all things canine, we often get it wrong when spot identifying a dog that crosses our path. I mean, without some sort of wisdom panel or a 
DNA test, a dog's breed should never be assumed. I'm going to cover a personal story dealing with this very thing in just a moment. Now, I adopted my dog from a city shelter. It was a boxer beagle. Neutered, vaccinated, the whole nine yards. Now, turns out he was actually an American Staffordshire Terrier and a French Mastiff. Not fixed. Now, it wasn't until he had an accident a few years later where he hurt his back, took him in. He had an MRI done. Turned out he wasn't neutered at all. So he still had both of his testicles. They were just undescended. So I had adopted a an unneutered pit bull from a city shelter unknowingly. I got a certificate from a veterinarian stating that he was a boxer beagle and that he was fixed, that he was 10 months old. Turns out that the only thing that they got right was his age. Yeah. And you know what? I think this happens so often. And, you know, I understand because of the stigma that comes with pit bulls, the um, city shelters and other places sometimes want to try to say it's a different breed, but obviously they don't even know because there's no um, true identification, um, I guess, markers that give them a hundred percent certainty what the breed is. And I think that this is used a lot of times to get more dogs adopted. In fact, um, Stella, one of my dogs, uh, she was touted as a boxer mix. And sure enough, uh, she came out, um, Catahoula and then also mixed with Pointer and Staffordshire. So not even close once again. Um, but again, I think that so many people are, used to hearing that because they don't want to be classified as that. So what are some of the common misconceptions that, and myths about pit bulls? Well, some, there's, there's many myths and misconceptions that surround pit bulls. And, you know, for, for time constraints, I can kind of cover some of the top ones that, that we've all heard before, I'm sure. Um, one, I know that the, the, the top one is that pit bulls have the hardest bite of any dog out there and that they actually have their ability to, to lock their jaws whenever they bite. Now, that's completely false. Pit bulls do not have the hardest bite and they do not lock their jaws and they do not have some natural born aggression specific to their breed. No dog breed of any type on the planet has the ability to lock their jaws closed. Now, a study completed by the University of Georgia concluded in a recent study that although people have anecdotal evidence suggesting that a pit bull's bite could be as high as 1,600 PSI, it's simply not true. There's many scientific studies that have shown that dogs average around 320 PSI. That's still 25 times greater than that of 1,600 PSI is going to be more along the lines of something like a full-grown hippopotamus. Now, those grow to be about two tons in weight, and that's hard enough to turn a bowling ball into powder. So when height meets science, it can alter an entire thought process. Now, several peer-reviewed studies 
Frontiers in Veterinary Medicine in the Journal of Anatomy have concluded that the strength of a dog's bite is actually related to the dog's overall size and strength, not its breed. So what that means is that an adult Great Pyrenees or an Alaskan Malamute is likely going to have a far stronger downbite than even the angriest pit bull. Now, that's still less than 500 PSI maximum. So when you put in the perspective, it's almost comical. That's amazing. Those are amazing statistics. And I think that the that you when you address the locked um, jaw, that is very common, especially when, you know, pit bulls actually get in a fight. You know, they they do have that where they don't want to let go. Um, but it's not it's not technically locked jaw. So um, good information to clarify there for sure. Of course, and, and you know, an, another big one is that, you know, pit bulls are more aggressive than other dogs. So with that being said, they're going to be more prone to attack. And, and that's also false. A, a recent peer-reviewed study that analyzed canine aggression in different breeds concluded that there's no significant difference in, in aggression between legislative breeds, like pit bulls, and non-legislative, like golden retrievers. There are zero scientific peer-reviewed studies that conclude that any one breed or dog type is inherently more dangerous than another breed. However, multiple peer-reviewed studies have concluded that breed does not determine risk and that pit bull type dogs are not more dangerous than other breeds that are similar size and strength. So contrary to unreliable information about breed-specific risks, the CDC, the American Veterinary Medical Association, and other, again, multi, multiple peer-reviewed studies have concluded that a dog's breed does not determine aggression, bite strength, or risk. Now, listen, while every fatal dog attack is tragic, the vast majority of dog bite-related fatalities are the result of human-controlled factors specific to the circumstances surrounding that incident. Now, there have been numerous scientific studies that have determined that the most common cause of fatal dog attacks are preventable factors that are related to irresponsible ownership, abuse, and or neglect, failure to neuter the dog, and failure to properly supervise larger, strong dogs around infants or children. Now, all breeds are known to snap or bite without any warning, causing bite-related incidents. Dogs are direct reflections of their environments and their owners. It's important to remember that all dogs have the ability to cause significant damage to property, livestock, and humans if the conditions are present in which it's necessary for their survival i.e., you know, a feral dog, or if a dog's not socialized or trained. Yeah, and that's so true. You know, a lot of times, you know, people think of a, an aggressive dog, they're the ones that are going to bite, but, you know, any dog can bite. You know, it at my store, you know, many times, you know, I hear people ask, does your dog bite? <laughs> you know, and of course the answer is, it's possible, you know, it can happen anytime, you know, given the right circumstance, a lot of dogs are fearful and they get scared. And so they protect themselves. So yeah, even the cutest little fluffy dog, um, 
can bite and the, and truly surprise their owner. So yeah, definitely a good point there. So one of the things I just want to touch on, because, you know, years ago in the news, the name that comes to mind that brings so much angst and disgust for me is Michael Vick and how he is famous for fighting dogs. What is so remarkable to me is how many of these dogs were rehabbed and were able to be integrated back into homes. Can you speak maybe a little bit about the situation? Sure. No, I... I was I, I remember the situation. I remember this happening, and and you know, just like you, I, you know, that I was definitely disgusted, um, you know, with with the images of of what happened. Um, you know, it, it it was it definitely highlighted the worst of the of the worst. Now, um, you know, I, what I read was you know out of. 48 dogs, 47 of those dogs were able to be rehabbed. That's amazing. Absolutely. And, you know, of course, you know, out of the 47 dogs, a a handful of them were, you know, extremely traumatized. You know, they, they had, you know, uh, you know, PTSD, I I guess, you know, and, you know, for, for a dog, um, and you know some other dogs it, I read were, were were pretty easily able to be integrated back in, into into households and you know where where they were you know they people you know paraded them around essentially you know used them as you know as like a therapy dog um, but you know specialized shelters all stepped in and and you know they they divvied the dogs out and and they all you know lived lived happily ever after. Um, Looks like the last one had just uh, just passed away at the age of fifteen. That's um, crazy, and you know it speaks to the resiliency of of these dogs, and you know, namely, I guess the breed. You know, because I'm not sure if a hundred percent of them were pit bulls, but I know the majority of them were, if not all. Um, and just how amazing, even after they were tortured and just you know in that horrible situation, they were still able to trust people. And to me, that speaks volumes about the breed itself. Definitely. Yeah. So what about, I know sometimes, you know, you hear on the news and it's, you know, heartbreaking. Um, In fact, it happened recently where, you know, a pack of dogs or, you know, just more than one dog, um, you know, attacked a person or a child. Um, what are your thoughts and experience around this? Sure. So, you know, look, dogs are carnivores, first and foremost. You know, even being a pet, you know, that doesn't change that fact. Now, you know, when you have a dog or, or a pack of dogs that are confined to a, a backyard or an alley and, you know, they're left to fend for themselves, you know, I mean, it's, they're, they're, Breaking loose and, and, and hurting a person, you know, of course, that's a headline that we don't see too often. You know, it's a it's a tragic one, but that's 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 what's going to happen. You know, the, that pack of dogs may have served their purpose as a security system and, you know, not members of a loving family. But, you know, now you have a pack of of unsocialized animals that are naturally prone to hunting and eating meat that are encountering humans that 
from a distance think that these are, you know, are, are friendly dogs. So, you know, of course that, that spells out for disaster mm-hmm. and, and, you know, and that, that goes, you know, that's proven in areas like, you know, Detroit and, and New Orleans, you know, of course, after Katrina, you had entire neighborhoods that are no longer inhabitable that are housing entire packs of, of dogs that are giving birth to litters of dogs that have never had any human contact whatsoever. So now you have generations of dogs that don't have any human contact. They're essentially wild animals, right? So, you know, instead of it being, you know, uh, uh, a situation where you have one stray animal that, you know, you're encountering now, you may encounter four, five, six of these at one time. And of course, again, that creates a very dangerous situation as well. But, you know, it's there. It's not the same. It's not the having a, a, a pack of, of pit bulls or, or pit bull mixes dogs that have never encountered humans that attack uh, an, uns, uh, an unsuspecting person in a neighborhood um, is not the same as, you know, uh, a dog that, you know, just out of the blue just snaps and, you know, hurts a child. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it and unfortunately, those two things, they get lumped together in the same category. And, and you know, that, that spells disaster for the dog. Definitely. So what are, you, what are your thoughts on just how, I guess, how the justice system has handled all of this? I mean, it, I, I guess, you know, it is fortunate that, you know, the justice system has you know, it, it prosecuted people for criminal negligence in these cases where, you know, they they have a, you know, a pack of dogs in their yard and, you know, they knowingly neglect and those dogs get loose and, and hurt somebody. Or if somebody comes and visits the home, say a young child and, you know, the dogs live in the home and that owner knows that, those dogs have, you know, a, um, you know, a propensity for possibly, you know, being aggressive, um, and someone winds up getting hurt. You know, it's it's they've been criminally prosecuted for that. So hopefully, you know, that deters, you know, that that type of thing from happening. Mm-hmm. Now, um, actually, the fact that a peer-reviewed study conducted by the CDC that analyzed 20 years of dog bite related incidents, the majority of dog bites, 72% in fact, of the fatalities were attributed to non-pit bull type breeds. Oh, wow. So So 72% of dog bite related fatalities. Wow. That's, that's a lot. Yeah. Weren't pit bulls. Yeah. So three quarters were, were not pit bulls. Hmm. So, so, I mean, all breeds, you know, unfortunately got, you know, individual unstable dogs that are, you know, typically associated with these types of bite related incidents and no breeds are immune from it. Mm-hmm. Actually, since 2016, there's been over 58 different breeds and mixed breeds that have been involved in failed dog attacks in the United States. Wow. 
And according to the CDC, every year in the United States, there are an average of 33 fatalities due to fatal dog attacks. Of these, approximately 64% involve adults, 28% children, 8% infants. And some of those notable breeds include like the Boxer, the Akita, Doberman Pinscher, German Shepherd, Great Dane, Husky, the Labrador Retriever, Mastiff, Rottweiler, and a few others. Wow. And those are a lot of those breeds are ones that we never think about when it comes to attacks, you know, and that sort of thing. That's interesting. So if we were to look at just kind of summarizing everything that we covered today, um, which is really great information. So in summary, pit bulls can actually make wonderful pets and a loving addition to the family. Many dogs are misidentified as pit bulls, which amplifies the fear from the public. And like all dogs, pit bulls are not generally born aggressive. The breed is very protective of its territory, and with this comes responsibility from the pet owner to know and understand this to avoid unwanted or dangerous situations. For example, if you know your dog is very reactive to someone coming to the door, um, you know that probably if you let the dog out, something might happen, and um, many pit bulls are very, very um, territorial. Proper training and guidance are very important aspects of a well-adjusted pit bull. If you want your pit bull to be a well-behaved member of the family unit, treat them like family. For example, you can speak to them like you're speaking to your child. When it's time to go to bed, tell them, hey, let's, let's go to bed. And even though they don't speak English, repetition equals retention. And showering them with praise will reinforce the desired behavior. Just as education, boundaries, and love are an essential part of raising children, it's equally important for our dogs. Pit bulls, like any other dog, are very in tune with our energy and emotions and will mirror what we put out. Chaos and instability will likely lead to a nervous and or agitated dog, thus leading to a potentially dangerous situation. If your dog is misbehaving, it may be time to self-check what may be going on with you. In closing, as both Phil and I are very passionate about bringing awareness to a somewhat controversial topic within the canine community, we hope that we have shared some truly relevant and useful information around this incredible breed. So thank you, Phil. This has been great information, and I'm glad you were able to join me today. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. Until next time. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you love this episode, share it with someone who may also want to help their pet. You can share it now or post it on social media. Tag me in it so I can reach back out to you. I'm so proud of you for taking steps to help your amazing furry family member. Talk to you soon.